Hello and welcome to Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends, where today we continue our conversation with my new friend, Dr. John Gray, about Venus and Mars in the bedroom. So, so a lot of men are like, they give up on sex because their wife doesn't seem interested in sex. And I say, don't take that as rejection. You see, men start out down south and then they move up. Women have right. to feel naked mentally, then naked emotionally, and then when then they can become naked and their estrogen levels are, are surging through her body, then she actually feels desire for sex. She wants to have sex. That, that's a, So men start south and go north. Women need north and go south. So yes. ergo, the biggest difference between men and women. Would that's you say it. that that's the Venus and Mars difference right there? Right there. It's pure biology. We know if a man has adrenaline or cortisol, his stress level, his testosterone levels are going lower. Stress lowers testosterone in men and raises estrogen. And so basically... So we know that men need testosterone. And where does the testosterone come from in men? His balls. It's all, of, it's all about his balls make the testosterone. And for women, it all starts in the mind. Okay, estrogen is, am I safe? Can, if she's safe, I feel I can depend on someone. So when a woman goes to a doctor, for example, she loves her doctor, let's say, then just going to the doctor is going to raise her estrogen levels so that her stress will go down. So much of what doctors do is placebo. They've done studies. They can give a, a woman, uh, and they haven't done gender studies on these placebo studies, but they're actually placebo studies that show that you can give a sugar pill to this group and a sugar pill to the other group, and they'll get the same results. Depression, for example, the way they actually, uh, you know, the antidepressants, the way they legalize that, it took five trials to prove that if you took a group of, of, of people, Again, they don't look at gender with these things, so I can't do the gender part of it. But look at a group of people, the ones who took the sugar pill, except at, compared to the ones who did the depression pill, the first four studies, the people who did the sugar pill had better results. Only on the fifth study did they show one or two people did better. That's all it takes. And then they can legalize the drug. And then they can say it's 90 95% more effective because it was two as opposed to one. <laughs> this is like so crazy It's statistic. really more in her mind. It's all in the mind. Not all in the mind. The, the mind regulates the biology, but the mind, particularly in both men and women, is dependent upon relationship. That's what nobody's ever written about. I explain in this book how what we do in our relationships, whether we're single or in couples, where we relate actually stimulates different hormones. And too much of one hormone causes men to become stressed out. And that's what's happening to men. Men's testosterone is going down. Their estrogens are going up. That makes men hypersensitive. So they get their feelings hurt. How can you open up emotionally to a man who's going to react to your feelings with anger or arguing or fighting? You can't have any of that. You got to let it all go. Right. And women have to be a big part of that too. But see, women, basically, because we're in this higher level of privilege, as I mentioned before, we have a greater sensitivity to what we need. Mm -hmm. Now, Maslow talked about it a little differently, and I like his, he would say the third level, the survival, security, then comes personal achievement, then comes intimacy, and then comes self-actualization. I look at it in terms of a polarity. You have survival and security, and even in survival and security, look at the gender there. Always the men would provide the, the security for the women so they could survive, and women allowed survival to take place for the men by cooking for them, by making babies for them 
because people used to have lots of kids in order to have your own army to protect you and also to do to, to do, do the, the crops <laughs> to do the crops you know so it was she was providing that he was providing this so this is a gender thing with survival and security then you rise up in this more secure society where survival is in our major issue you know we have heaters in our house you know right. we have policemen on the street we have so all that so we're like way up there in terms of a new stratosphere of freedom i don't talk about achievement although we can i have the freedom to to do what i want to do and accomplish what i can do to test out what i can do i want to be independent i want to make my own money i want to achieve see that's really he said it was achievement actually it's freedom mm -hmm. that's one part of us is a freedom to create our life independence and women the female side i call it the male side is wants to solve problems fix it make money sacrifice all that stuff is the male side mm -hmm. on the female side it's about love and intimacy Connect. so this is the primary need and in the 60s you saw it happening big time why because world war ii was the war to end all wars mm -hmm. everybody came back the middle class particularly in america rose up we had a strong Baby middle boomers. class and baby boomers and everything had this this rose glow to it at that time because why because we felt the world was safe and mm -hmm. then the 60s came along and sensitivity increased and women basically th this new awareness happens with sensitivity you can connect to your higher self when you connect to your higher self you're both masculine and feminine our higher self is both masculine and feminine it gives us that's our spirit or our soul yeah. so basically we look at that part of us became more available to people at this higher level of sensitivity. Now, women all said, oh, we want to be like men. We want to be free. We want to be independent. We, we want, want to make depend our own on money. And their testosterone money. goes up and their estrogen goes down. And in that case, some of these women actually love to have sex, but they can't have orgasm. They want to have sex, but they can't have orgasm. So mm -hmm. see, they're on their male side. When you're on your male side, you want sex, okay? But they will actually go over on their male side. So they say, I want sex but they don't, they don't surrender in sex. They're having a male orgasm, which is really just a sneeze. It really is just a sneeze. <laughs> it's not this glorious, sublime, making love experience. It's, it's a little bit of that for sure. I won't minimize it totally. It's better than nothing. Uh, but, but what we want is interdependence that go to the higher levels of testosterone and estrogen. So women went to their male side. I was a hippie at that time. I grew up my hair like a girl, long hair. You know, men had hair like this before. Then I wanted to grow my hair out. I was ecstatic. I, I demonstrated for peace. I was demonstrating against Vietnam. You know, I wore beads. I had pretty boots. I had bell-bottom pants. I'd learned meditation. You know, this was men going to their female side, you know, which is beautiful. Now women went to their male side. Women went to their female side. And while men moved from masculine to feminine, there's a place in between, which is the balance point. That's ecstasy. And women, as they left this sort of, world where they had to stay at home and they didn't have the, the freedoms that other men had now they were moving towards freedom and in that balanced place they felt ecstasy mm. and now women are way over their male side it's they can't get back or it's hard to get back to their female to find that balance point yeah, and for I, men, I know many women who work full-time and yet they still manage the household and take care of the kids school stuff yes. and the grocery shopping and it's like the things get so out of balance of course she doesn't have any energy for sex that's right that's right and it's out of balance it's not a lack of energy by the way it's lack of balance because okay. when you were dating you were still doing all that stuff but you never you never would say i'm too tired to have sex 
and the first three years of relationship, you're never too tired to have sex. Okay. Right. It's always there. When people say I'm too tired, I immediately go, they're not too tired. They're tired because they're out of balance. balance. They're out of balance hormonally and they're depleted of life force that they felt in that newness of a relationship. And yes, the newness of a relationship, because it's new, it's not yet totally familiar and routine. You're producing more dopamine and that increased dopamine raises women's estrogen levels as long as they feel safe. In the beginning, all women feel safe if they marry a guy because they think, oh, they imagine how much good it's gonna be. And then they realize it's not gonna be that good <laughs> and their safety goes down. And that safety going down is because they haven't learned what I teach and men are from Mars, women are from Venus, is how to communicate in a way where a man will actually validate you and listen to you. We just don't know how to do it. Well, I've heard it said that the, the brain is actually the largest sex organ. You're saying that you think the heart is the largest sex organ, even over the brain, because it sounds like well, you're a big say, believer and a proponent of, of, of relationship. Love and intimacy. intimacy. But let's be more accurate. For women, the brain is the beginning of arousal. It their creates the letting safety. their mind be open. The mind has to feel safe. Then the heart opens, then she can be multi-orgasmic. On the okay. flip side of this, men do not need the mind. Men need to become mindless in order to have sex. Okay, <laughs> so for women, it's mind first, followed heart. by heart, followed by clitoris and vagina. And yep. for men, is it in it's reverse? Is first. It start in it's the penis, penis it goes to the heart and then the mind? That's right. That's why women don't let him have an orgasm with you until he's got the energy in his heart and he's made a commitment to you, or he's actually in his mind. Usually when men get into their mind, then they'll make the commitment to the relationship. Uh, I, would never, I would never recommend to a woman to have sex with a man if he, she didn't have a committed relationship. You're that, never gonna that, get to those high levels of orgasmic energy if you don't have commitment. You need a man who's in his, he, he's in his penis, he's in his heart, and he's got in his mind that says you're number one. Why would you open up your heart and mind and give someone the power over you if they were not thinking of you as the best person in the world for me? Exactly. Like I to my wife over and over, honey, there's so many beautiful women in the world and you are the only one for me. I don't even think about other women. I was so happy. You know, men often think monogamy is giving up their freedom. They have no idea of what freedom is. Freedom is where you're not lusting after women who don't want to be with you. Yes, you're so after... happy in your sex life that no that's... one else, everybody else pales in comparison. That's right. That's right. And it doesn't matter. It's the love. There's that bonding that happens by, by somebody else's presence, activating your sexual energy, your heart energy, and your mind energy. And what I noticed in my marriage is if I had sex too often, then I didn't feel this massive amount of love increasing. So then I decided to cut back. And that's one of the secrets of sustaining passion for a lifetime is not too much sex. Now, it was embarrassing if I would focus on that because people thought I'm a sex expert. I wrote books on sex. I have a PhD in sexual counseling as marriage counseling, but also sex counseling. So, and they think, oh, you must have a great sex life. I said, yeah, I do. And they say, how often do you have sex? I say, generally once a week, except on vacations. And they look so disappointed, like you need to be having sex every day. Uh, and I said, and, and, and I didn't have, I said, well, that was, that's what works for me. And that's all I would say. Quality over quantity. And it could be different for different people, without a doubt. You know, I know people have sex every day, but in the back of my mind, I go, I wonder what the quality is. But I know biologically what the quality is. We've already done, the Japanese did the tests on this. And the Japanese discovered that with 
young men, even 25 years old, okay, so there's have higher testosterone levels. If they have sex on Saturday night, every man has, if he has sex on, in the study, sex on Saturday night with his partner, mm-hmm. on Sunday, his testosterone is half of what it was when he was aroused to her. Okay, it goes down. And then they said, we're gonna do a test. Don't have sex for six days. And when they tested them every day, their testosterone stayed at that low level. And then if they had sex after six days of abstinence, on the seventh day, their testosterone levels doubled. Hmm. Now, (laughs) if they had sex on Saturday night and the testosterone goes down, and then they had sex on Tuesday or Wednesday, and the man ejaculated, then on Saturday night, his testosterone levels don't double. Mm. And this is what happens when couples have too much sex over time. It's almost predictable they're gonna lose the passion. We know this is happening in our society today. And it's just understanding that too many ejaculations lower your testosterone if you're a man. It will also lower a woman's estrogen, although there's no study on that. So I'm telling you what I think. Because too much of a good thing is not a good thing. A good thing, that's right. And it's not that you have to follow this rule religiously, but if a man doesn't have sex on Saturday night, and let's say he goes six days and then it goes to eight, nine, 10 days, his testosterone goes back down and doesn't come back up. So you literally have to have sex once a week if if you wanna keep your testosterone up and you're a man. And I I love the idea of quality over quantity. I know that there are a lot of both women and men who would give a resounding amen to that, that it's not about how often we're having sex. It's about the quality of the relationship, the quality of the communication and the quality of the passion and pleasure that they share. Yeah. And I already know what the woman's experience is. If a man is addicted to sex, he's just getting off. He's just horny and getting off. She feels totally objectified. Yes. Yes. It just, and he really, she doesn't want sex anymore. That's exactly it. And that's what happens. And another part of it, if we go further into my investigations, is we know that women's estrogen levels double when they have an orgasm, all right, or to have an orgasm, they have to double. And that's all this foreplay. And this is outside the bedroom, lots of hugs, lots of conversations, lots of compliments, lots of reassurance. You see, something, something men don't understand is women need to hear over and over messages that say she's number one, that she's special, that she's a priority, that she's She's safe and you're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. This is, this is like abandonment is the deepest issue for women. It it just creates fear because historically when we weren't in this new level of safety in society, if a woman was abandoned, she died basically. And if her husband died, they threw her on the fire with him. She jumped onto the fire pit with him, you know, because you can't survive without a man back then as you got older, you needed that. And so you were abandoned. It's the biggest fear of losing your spouse. Mm. So, so, and also it's ironic that monogamy is actually built into humans. Now monogamy is such that, and this is not with monkeys. And sex, by the way, is ruled by the monkey part of the brain. All right, so this is why we have to respect our emotions and our feelings, just not let them control us. So many books have said, oh, men are biologically monogamous. I mean, not polygamous, because we have the potential to make a baby every day. Mm -hmm. All right, easy. I can make several, okay, if I'm a guy and I'm addicted to sex and I have relatively high testosterone levels. It could be much higher if I didn't do it so much, but I have relatively high testosterone levels. You can have sex a lot, make a lot of babies. And so these whole books are written to justify men pulling around, men having many women and so forth. And and yeah, you can do that. Uh, that sex is ruled by the monkey part of the brain, fight or flight, which has evolved over millions and millions of years. And that part of the brain is also violent. Mm. 
So am I a violent person? No. Am I a non-monogamous person? No, my monkey brain is. But when I elevate myself to the higher intelligence- That human beings are capable of over the animal kingdom. You're you're not even capable, when you're here, you're not even capable of having sex with another woman. I can't even get turned on by other women. It's just not even possible to my wife is the one. Now I also have a girlfriend now and it's so easy because my heart is her. She number one, once I got great sex, I don't need anybody else. I don't think about anybody else. You know, this is maturity. This is love. This is a possibility, but it takes discipline mm-hmm. and, and, and not masturbating. Okay. So there's no shame on masturbating. All people masturbate, uh, particularly boys. And the, but they have to understand the knowledge is that every time you masturbate, you lower your testosterone. And if you masturbate a lot, then it never comes back up. Mm. Now imagine here you are this guy and you have sex with your wife and you ejaculate, your testosterone goes down. Now she is having this big orgasm of surrender. And when men ejaculate, you know what happens. They always withdraw, right? They're done. They're done. And particularly if she didn't have her orgasm, it's like, why even open up if I'm not gonna be, you know, get my orgasm. But the reality is even if she has an orgasm and he withdraws biologically, even though I explained this to women, his testosterone went down, men need to withdraw in order to rebuild testosterone. It's an unconscious reaction. Right. It's distance for men builds up testosterone. And then we wanna get close to build up our estrogen. So there's a little dance there. So men will withdraw during sex, but biologically, here's this woman, she just opened herself and now it, the guy disappears testosterone's gone. So that a little bit of that is called conditioning. So I don't know if I want to open up if I'm going to lose the guy. Mm. So the body starts saying, I don't know if I want to go to that place because he pulls away. And so there's a conditioning over time that, that I'm not turned on to sex because it causes me to lose that energy. That is naturally corrected if people don't have so much sex, because if, see, there's a conditioned response that you just lost his attention. But if six days later, his attention comes back double, and this is not mental, this is all biological. He's producing these pheromones and say she's number one. Mm-hmm. Well, then her body gets reconditioned to open up again to him until it learns that it always comes back. It always comes back. And that's where her security comes from. And that's where that's her repetition. security comes back that she won't lose him. And, yeah. and you know, even that's the biology of this. But even my marriage with Bonnie around 20 years, and we're, you know, we had a lot of bumps in the beginning, which is why I wrote all these books, how to overcome them. And the reason I could write these books and overcome them is my meditation years, my monk years freed me from the attachment to be right, from the attachment to, you know, uh, defend myself. Because when you really ground yourself in meditation, you know, there's something upsets you, you can just come back to feeling good again. And so Bonnie could upset me for sure. But I would just say time out and I would go off and do things that would increase my testosterone. Meditation is one thing. There's other things men can do. But then I would open my heart again and then I would take complete responsibility for whatever I did to contribute to her feeling the way she did mm. and just come back and be loving and sometimes apologize and sometimes didn't need to apologize. Just come back and be loving. And never, ever did I tell her my complaint. Never, ever did I tell her what she did wrong. See, people feel like, okay, I'll say what I did wrong, but you have to say what you did wrong. And I'm not going to feel better till you apologize. Now, I think apologies are wonderful, but some people are just too threatened by saying I was wrong and therefore I don't apologize. And it was early in the marriage where Bonnie said to me, I said to her after a few years, I said, why is it I'm always saying I'm sorry and you never say it? (laughs) He'll say it to strangers, but never to me. (laughs) And she started to cry and she said, John, 
my mother always made me wrong for everything. I grew up in one big guilt trip mm. and I was responsible for all problems. I got blamed for everything. And if, if I said, I'm sorry to you for something and you looked at me and said, you should be sorry, I would die. Wow. I just, so really it had been a huge growth step for her to stop apologizing yeah. for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and That's so I, I basically, right there. <laughs> and, and I told her, I said, honey, my promise to you as you never have to apologize to me. If you do, it always feels good, but you never have to. I trust always that you're doing your best and you're a loving person. And I never, ever after that time, I didn't even complain to her about anything. I just, you know, our monkey brain complains about everything, you know, <laughs> but what happens and everybody needs to know this when you use your complaining, your negativity is really when you're complaining, you're not feeling loving. Loving is I accept you just as you are. Mm -hmm. I have nothing. I don't need to change you at all. That's the higher unconditional love that we try to aspire towards. Mm -hmm. When you complain, you're wanting to change your partner. It's never loving them. And when you use negative emotions combined with trying to change your partner, it's even more Right. Not you create loving. a self-fulfilling prophecy. Then the negative yes. really comes out. Yes. Yes. Self-fulfilling prophecy. You're, it doesn't work, but people continue to do it. Okay. That's because they don't have control over their monkey brain. It's these automatic reactions. Just to understand a little bit about part of us, which a monkey is if you're a monkey and you don't have good uh, uh, skills, logic and communication skills, then if somebody steps on your foot, you go, ow, that's all you can communicate. Ow. And if they step on it again, you go, well, they must not hurt me. Ow, ow. <laughs> and then, so then what we do, we amplify everything in relationships. We get these arguments, ping pong. We just have to stop. And so I stopped. I just said, I'm not that person anymore. I'm, I'm, I, I will never do that again. I made a commitment to it, but I didn't suppress. I always process my feelings in my alone time, which is, you know, that's what psychology teaches us how to embrace our feeling self, listen to it almost like a child, mm -hmm. bring it back to love. And then go and be loving. Right. Don't go change your partner. And people say, well, my partner needs to change. I said, no, you need to change. When mm -hmm. you change, your partner will change. That is the truth. People don't get it. If we all focus on changing ourselves, all the problems would fix themselves. If we do it in a way that opens our heart. You know, a lot of people will, you know, be a doormat and change themselves, but it doesn't open their heart. It's just a survival mechanism to get what I want. Don't change yourself to get what you want. Change yourself to be who you want to be, who you already are. Like so that. that's the point is come back to love and then communicate with love and love doesn't seek to change your partner. It can ask for help. So you can always ask for help, but that's much different than complaining. Mm -hmm. But when you use a complaint to get more, what you've just done is reinforce the power of your monkey brain, the power of your negativity to get what you want. And you actually grow pathways in your brain so that anytime you experience a minor stress reaction, your brain goes into, I need to get more. And you do, and the stress, you need more. And so your brain starts looking for things that will stimulate negative emotions in order for you to express them and get more. This, this is like a crazy, is that the more you complain, the more your brain is gonna find reason to complain. Mm, not something use, we wanna reinforce in our relationships. We don't, we don't. And people don't have the skill of if you complain, take a time out, don't complain, realize that you're not being loving. You're wanting to change your partner. And you can explain to me a million ways why your partner needs to change and you deserve to get what you want, blah, blah, blah. But expressing complaints isn't gonna get you what you want. And that's why if we have this healthy, if we utilize this hypersensitivity that we have, because that hypersensitivity is allow us to go deep into our feelings 
and recognize that our thoughts, the story we tell ourselves right now are causing me to have negative feelings, are causing me to not feel love and safe and generous and giving and forgiving and all that. My thoughts are telling this child, he's a bad person, she's a bad woman. And so that child is going to hysteria. Mm -hmm. You have to change the dialogue. You cannot do this technique if you're a monkey. You can only do this if you have a hypersensitivity, which we have today, which is able to now reflect on all sensitive emotions and recognize they're there to be a doorway into the recognition that me, my thoughts, my interpretation is causing me to have negative emotions and not somebody else. They trigger, they're a trigger, you know, but I'm responsible. You feel anything. You're choosing to feel that way in response. Well, well, people say that I would just adjust the language a little bit. Is you're really not choosing because you have no choice at that time. Mm, when, you, when you have negative emotions, you're already being taken over by the monkey brain. You have the only choice you have is to disengage from whatever you're doing with an attitude that you, you build, which is all my emotions are due to me. And all of my emotions, negative emotions are actually me choosing, but take out choosing me not being loving. I'm not being loving. See, we, we walk around feeling we're so good and we're so loving and we say, yeah, but I'm angry with them because they did this and this and this. I can say, yeah, I understand. I'd be angry too if I was a monkey. <laughs> but I, as, a, as a human being, that triggered you to feel a lot of a lot of other feelings, like deep inside every human being, we have our primary monkey trauma, which is we come into this world and people are happy to see us. So we have the experience that I make people happy. And as soon as people around me are not happy, mommy and daddy arguing, mommy and daddy getting a divorce, mommy and daddy neglecting me, mommy neglecting each other, whenever there's unhappiness around us, we make the first conclusion in life. Our first belief is I failed. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Yeah. And that's, that's this people pleasing thing. It's so deep inside. It's the shame. It's the guilt. It's the, this is deep inside. And you know, that's this simple little book to be read in two hours, you know, helps people to learn how to go to deeper levels of emotion, to take responsibility for you are the one who's causing those emotions, not anybody else. They're triggering you. And then you can change the story. Then you get wisdom. If you look at the ideas of men are from Mars, why they were so popular and still are all around the world, they don't require you to change in any way. Mm. See, all self-help books are about you changing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm not, I, I love techniques to get better and so forth, but in relationship, it's simply discover a new way of interpreting your partner, which is obvious. Have somebody point out to you why men do this. And you go, oh, it's not about me. I don't have to take it personally. So the whole idea about men, men needing to go to their cave. You know, if people don't know that, go read that book. It's very popular. And now we have all men have their man cave. You know, that all came from men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Mm -hmm. And the idea uh, came to me is my own experience. I said, just give me some space and then I can open my heart again. You know, it's as simple as that. And I was teaching that in a seminar and a woman came up to me and she said, you know, I'm an American Indian. And, uh, this was what my mother taught me as a traditional thing when you get married. And what she told me is that when you marry a, a man, now things will change. Many times he will go to his cave and on the cave, there's a sign and it says, do not enter or be burned by the dragon. 
Mm. <laughs> so don't go after a man when we, he withdraws. That's his journey. Give him his time and space and he'll Give come back around. Yeah. And don't, don't go after him in any way. And when he comes out, don't punish him for going away. Right. Correctly interpret it that right now he needs to detach from that romantic loving guy he is and interested. He needs to pull away temporarily and he will come back unless right. you go in there and now he'll dig tunnels to get further and further away from you. And then make her feel horrible. Uh, yeah, to the concept of there needs to be oxygen. There needs to be space. That's what keeps things alive. Great advice for women. Don't go pursuing him constantly. Give him that time and space. To wrap up our conversation about Venus and Mars in the bedroom, what advice do you have to the man who feels as if, why bother trying to have sex with her? She's going to turn me down. She's turned me down far more than she's ever said yes. So he's just, he's so resigned. What, what do you, what, what encouragement do you have for him? How can he get oh, back I in changed, the game? I changed that right away because I explained a little bit earlier. If you say to a woman, do you want to have sex? She's going to say no, if she's honest, because she doesn't want to have sex because she's got some stress hormones in her body right now. You can't control the stress hormones in her body. That's her job. Right. And men, men interpret her sexual rejection as she doesn't want to have sex with you rather than, and they feel like, oh, I want sex and she doesn't. So she doesn't love me. How do you interpret that now? You realize that women first need arousal before they can even connect with the part of them that wants sex. And men walk around wanting sex, particularly young men. <laughs> they just feel it all the time because they're not getting that fulfillment. So they want that sex. And another thing is when you masturbate, it causes an addiction to sex. If you use sex to make love, the Italians did this study, where if you have sex with somebody that you care about and they care about you, okay, that was the prerequisite. Then after you ejaculate, if you're a man, then another hormone gets produced called prolactin. Mm. Now prolactin is what causes women to be able to lactate and feed a baby. But men produce that when they actually make love. And that actually inhibits sexual desire for other women and allows you to go for sex for many days without needing sex. So that's the built-in mechanism of when there's love, this higher sensitivity. Now we're, we are human beings, not monkeys who just have sex and now lust after somebody else and lust after somebody else. Because if you have sex and you're a man on your own or with a woman you don't care about, you don't know, you don't have love, you haven't bonded mentally and emotionally with her, the result of that will be no prolactin, which causes you to say, okay, I had sex with a woman, now I have to go find another woman, maybe she'll love me. So built into evolution is in men, a lusting after women until they have sex with a woman who loves him and he loves her. And therefore the potential that for them to make a the baby, door. isn't it amazing? It's just so brilliant, the wisdom of nature and so forth as we're evolving. But now we, we discount all those things. As soon as you do porn and you masturbate to that, or a woman's doing her, her, her what is that? Vibrator. Uh, the vibrator thing and so forth. These are all like, we've gone, we've, this whole gender identity and this whole, I can do myself kind of stuff. We don't need each other. is throwing us way out of balance. Mm. What I recommend is to solve that problem is first of all, here's a little communication trip. I never said to my wife after I figured this out, do you want to have sex? I said, hi, honey, is there a part of you who wants to have sex tonight? And she would always say, yes, there's definitely a part of me that wants I to have want sex to want you. to want <laughs> to. That's right. So, so make the question right. Because you'll, men will take it as an insult because men, if they're in the mood for sex, they know if they can have sex, they know they can have sex and they're wanting it. But women can actually have a potential to want sex and not know yet that they want it. And I'd say, is there a part of you who wants to have sex? And it was always routine. She said, oh, John, there's always a part of me that wants sex. 
maybe we can, you know, give me a, a day and we'll plan some time together and then we can have making love. Or if you want, we can do a quickie. And so I talked about waves and women are crockpots. <laughs> that's another thing. <laughs> yes. So, so there was this experience of I never felt sexually rejected when I understood women. It was not about her not wanting sex. And the same thing, women can hold this. When a man's in his cave, it's not about her. When a woman's not in the mood for sex, it's not about him. It's about she has certain requirements before she can open her heart and enjoy sex. So I recommended quickies just to kind of free men from that. So my wife could always say, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I certainly as a part of me wants to have sex. I'm happy to have sex with you. But if you give me some time, we can really make love. And that became the sentence. And after, I don't know, maybe six months of quickies whenever I wanted, it was so unsatisfying for me. In the beginning, it was satisfied because I felt I'll never be rejected. And that raised my testosterone huge. Then after that, I said, hey, I can wait a day, you know, because we're making love and I wasn't like having so much sex, okay? Because she would do quickies whenever I wanted. And I just, my passion went away with that. So I experimented. And now we have the research to prove it and all that. This is, we're in, we're in the golden age of great sex if we just learn how to do it. And Amen. I think in another talk we'll do from my book, Mars, Venus in the Bedroom, we'll go into more details of actually the, what you do in the bedroom. And hopefully people took my wisdom here, which is learning, new, understanding how men and women react differently from stress gives you the power to bring them back into balance. Because when women are stressed, they're too far on their male side. And for her to come back to her female side, there's many things she can do for herself that she doesn't know about, but there's also many things he can do for her and good communication where she is sharing and you're not arguing with her or fixing her or invalidating her or rejecting her or laughing at her. And he doesn't really, he's like, oh, that's, that's silly. Don't be worried about that. No, that's an insult. It just punches her right there. And then she loses her ability to feel safe to reveal those sensitive things. And, and she, he just she shot becomes, himself in the foot. Yeah, that's right. He's put, what'd you say? He's shooting himself in the foot. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. men don't know that. That was the big deal. As men, from men and from Mars, around the world, people come up to me, men come, thank you. I realize now my wife just doesn't want me to solve her problems. She just wants to talk and I can listen. <laughs> listening is the best foreplay if yes. a man can do that. Listening and talk. It's and, speaking and what, of listening and talking, I feel as if I could talk all day with you, but I do have to wrap up. I have to say, it is such a delight to talk with a fellow advocate for intimacy, monogamy, marriage, lovemaking. Dr. John Gray, I can't thank you enough for blessing us with your with your time and your wisdom and your your energy and your passion. I'm so glad to hear that you're dating again. That that blesses me to no end. Oh, oh, you know, if you learn how to grieve a loss, my gosh, my heart became even so much bigger and I have so much wisdom and and it from what happens part of grieving and healing is reflecting on everything you feel guilty about that you didn't know you felt guilty about mm -hmm. <laughs> but knowing how to release that let it go because yeah. always my intents were always good and well, to be able to let go of that you go deeper and deeper into your childhood into the depth of your feelings and your ability to love and my new girlfriend she's just so happy because she knows nothing she can say or do upsets me i just i if she feels pain i actually start to cry I feel her pain, you know, Empathy. this is, it's so beautiful. And I'm not feeling sorry for her. I'm just feeling her pain, which is right. very, very important. And I'm not defending against it. I'm not talking her out of it. 
And I'll tell you what's very funny is when she sees me having tears when she's talking, she goes, oh, no, 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 don't cry, don't cry. <laughs> she doesn't... <laughs> and then she feels really good. And she doesn't know why she feels so good. But it's when somebody can feel what you feel, That's then bonding. it's released. Because all yeah. negative emotion, the pain of that is it separates us. It makes us feel separate at a time where we want to feel connected. Yeah. Well, I'm just so glad that you've opened yourself to love again. No doubt that she is a very lucky woman. And we are, we just consider ourselves very lucky today to have had the chance to talk to you. So we thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sexual Competence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. We love you for listening and we thank you for tapping on us. Imagine four days on a beach in paradise with three experts in sexual connection helping the two of you become one sexually confident couple. Yeah, it is possible. Join Shannon Etheridge and friends at Nyer Resort and Spa in Placencia, Belize for the Sexually Confident Couple Workshop. Coming up in 2022, either May 29th through June 1st or June 1st through 4th. Register today at shannonetheridge.com by clicking on the workshops link. Space is incredibly limited. So don't miss this Sexually Confident Couple Workshop. It's truly going to be unbelievable.